0: Sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: While people might have had issues with the term socialist, a lot of people, when they looked at the actual things that they believed in—health care for all, free college tuition, actual equality, shrinking the, the the gap between poor people and rich people in this country—they thought that they were that they agreed with that.
2: Um, there's a lot of different material to cover here with a judge who has. Uh, been a partisan um, engaged in uh, both the Bush White House and the uh, Ken Starr, the Judge Starr investigation of the Clinton White House, um, and given his 300 opinions on the D.C. Circuit. We
3: want full disclosure. We want a lot of information that's now classified to be disclosed. But there are proper ways of disclosing this. And you know who's at fault for this more than anyone else? Comey. Because he leaked information and laundered it through a professor at Columbia Law School. Shame on that professor and
0: shame on Comey. And now, Stacy Washington.
1: Welcome to the program. Good to be with you today. Fantastic to have you listening to the show. Head over to urbanfamilytalk.com slash Stacey. Also, you can find out more on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, all Stacey on the right, especially the Instagram. You can follow, do whatever you'd like. Love to see you there. Thanks for being here today. Uh, so right now we are talking uh, about, we've, we've been talking about Justice Kavanaugh and these horrible, so they're, they're now going to do a whisper campaign against him because they can't beat him, because he was unflappable under pressure, because their questions were inane and inept and ridiculous. And so because there's no way to f- win legally, lawfully, with honor, we 're now throwing off any semblance of uprightness and fairness and equanimity, and we are just going to get down in the dirt and you know roll around you know just just free for all just no no rules no nothing is barred. just do whatever you want just you know tear the man up just no uh, no consideration for his wife for his daughters, just drag something out you don 't have to know if it 's true you don 't even have to have a verifiable source just Impune his character, throw some mud onto him. Whatever sticks, we'll go with that. That's where we are right now. So Chuck Todd had actually made this comment on his program before this latest foray into mudslinging by, uh, you know, Feinstein. He says there's these extreme tactics being used against the other side of the aisle. It's number five.
4: All right, right. I've got to ask you about some of the tactics of some of the special interest groups You've heard report there's been code hangers sent to Senator Susan Collins' office, some really nasty voicemails that have been played. Um, you know, the tactics, it, it seems that the extreme tactics being used, I, I, I'm sure you get that there's a lot of passion. What do you make of them?
2: Yes, uh, there is a huge amount of passion, as um, I think the whole country saw dozens of people were arrested in the course mm-hmm. of the hearings. Um, All of our offices have gotten um, hundreds, if not thousands, of calls, uh, many on a daily basis. Um, And I think that's uh, well justified because of the level of fear, of concern, of anxiety, uh, both about the unpredictable behavior of our president um, and the ways in which the Supreme Court may very well shift to a conservative majority uh, for years or decades to come on some vital issues about individual liberty in this country. Um, I do. I'll take your point, though, Chuck. I do think it may end up backfiring and that it may turn off uh, several of the key centrist uh, votes, both Republican and Democrat, who are willing to consider a vote against Kavanaugh um, as they're weighing their decision here in the last days.
1: And that would be fine, right? That would be perfectly fine if that's what they were doing. But it's not. And if I sound like I'm a little, you know, upset to to see them doing this to him, it's because it's it's not fair. It is fair to question him in the harshest possible terms, even treating him as what you would consider to be a hostile witness. It is fair to put the screws to him, if you will, when he's, sitting at that table with the microphone in front of him, submitting himself to questions. It's fair to vet him there. It's fair to ask him whatever you have to ask, but to wait until he's no longer in front of the cameras, to wait until he can no longer defend himself in front of, there were tens of thousands of people on the live streams. I would click through and C-SPAN was so bogged down, I couldn't get on their website to live stream it. I listened to the Kavanaugh hearings on my cell phone, on the C-SPAN app. I listened on other Uh, media outlets were streaming it as well. Millions of Americans paid attention to his testimony. They wanted to see who this man was. They stopped from working and having lunch and drinking coffee and working out and walking dogs and burping babies and putting kids down for naps. Everyone paused for a second and found a way to listen or watch and paid attention. So many millions of Americans. So now that Americans have gone back to burping babies you know, driving kids to and from soccer, whatever you do during the day, working, sleeping, eating, you know, washing clothes, whatever you're doing, you've gone back to doing that during the day. And now Feinstein tries to resurrect what she calls a credible allegation, but without an accuser, without any details, it's just a rumor and he can't answer for it. He's no longer at the Senate Judiciary panel being asked questions. He's now submitting to written interrogatories. People are sending him questions, you know, uh, huge lists of questions that I guess they just couldn't get to in the hours and hours and hours that he spent before them. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh, Oh, it's so insulting. But you but this is the same woman. She actually hired someone and he worked for her for 30 years and heard all of her secrets and everything as her driver. Turns out he was a Chinese spy but she's got the audacity to talk about something someone did when they were in high school that she's not even going to provide any actual evidence for. I mean, she's, she's really got a lot of gall. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's un, unbelievable. So we've also got news out. And again, you, if you think one bit of news can't top another, just buckle up. Here it is. Planned Parenthood has named their new President after Cecile Richards, who stepped down, she's made her millions for on on you know killing unborn kids. Now it's Leanna Wynne. She claims that she's doing life saving work and she always has. Yeah, that's my I don't believe it face. So here we have Leanna Wynne. She's known for her abortion advocacy in Baltimore, where she attempted to force pregnancy centers to promote abortions. She's. Engaging in ironic statements already, praising Planned Parenthood for life-saving work. Um, You know Planned Parenthood actually kills more people because unborn babies are people. They're just inside someone else, but they're still people. They kill more people each year than cancer or guns or cigarettes. A lot more people than guns. For more than 100 years, no organization has done more for women's health than Planned Parenthood. I'm truly honored to be named its president, she said in a written statement. As a patient, I depend upon Planned Parenthood for medical care at various times in my own life. And as a public health leader, I've seen firsthand the life-saving work it does for our most vulnerable communities. As a doctor, I will ensure we continue to provide high-quality health care, including a full range of reproductive care, will fight with everything I have to protect the access of millions of patients who rely on Planned Parenthood, end quote. so when also in her past work advocating for disadvantaged communities oversaw Baltimore's lawsuit against the Trump administration over its attempt to defund the Planned Parenthood uh, of Baltimore there that that whole group and reroute taxpayer dollars to programs for teen pregnancy programs at places that actually help cut teen pregnancy in twenty seventeen the Trump administration also cut millions of dollars in grants to Planned Parenthood through the failed teen pregnancy prevention program. HHS spokesman Mark Vaviades said the New York Times, he was speaking to the New York Times last year. He said that there's very little evidence that the program was successful. Now, look, it, it's fine that they've hired someone new. She's actually Baltimore's top health official, and she'll be leaving that slot on October 12th to assume her duties for Planned Parenthood full-time. She also tried to make it the law in Baltimore that kids could get contraception without their parents. So let me, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta, we, we gotta do this right now. So, you know, if you're a parent, you've probably run up against this brick wall recently because these are new rules that have been enacted and they make sense. And that is, Let's say your kid's at school and they go to their teacher and they say, my head hurts. And what you would think is that the teacher would say, uh, you know, I'll give you some Tylenol or would you like an aspirin? Would you like a Motrin? Well, teachers were doing that and sometimes they'd send the kid to the nurse and the nurse would say, you know, it's an over-the-counter medication, so I'm going to give it to you. And parents had objections to that, but mainly the school districts themselves saw those as openings for some kind of, um, like, it's liability. It's, you know, risk assessment. You don't want to give a child a pill, um, even if it's an over-the-counter pill, because you need their parents' permission. And so parental rights advocates and, and health advocates, everyone said, look, you need to have a, a uh, permission slip at the beginning of the year. And so all of us do this now. We've been doing this for years at the beginning of the school year, you have to turn in a physical or an updated shot record, or if your kid is not slated for any shots that year, the one piece of paper you have to turn in besides sports, health, physical, if they're going to do sports, is you have to sign a permission slip saying that the school nurse can give uh, your child, and then they have a list. Sometimes it'll say Benadryl, ibuprofen, you know, and one other pain reliever, you know, Aleve. Sometimes it'll be the specific brand name. Other times it'll be the active ingredient. Uh, Sometimes it will say in addition to, you know, maybe your child has an EpiPen, maybe your child has, you know, an inhaler that they're already doing. So it's in addition to that authorization, you're just basically saying, you know, if my child has a cough and they want some cough syrup, and every school is different as to what they'll dish out to your child. So again, just so we set the stage here, in order for your child to get a Tylenol or a Zyrtec from their school nurse, they need a written authorization from the parent, which usually includes a disclaimer. In other words, if your child takes this Tylenol and goes into convulsions, we are not responsible because you've given us permission to give your child the Tylenol. But what WEN tried to do was to get it so that you would have to still give permission to give, you know, a, a Tylenol, a Benadryl, a Zyrtec, what have you. But your child could go to the nurse and say, I'd like an IUD. And the nurse could say, Oh, would you? Okay, come in tomorrow at uh, you know, right after lunch, and we'll get you one. We'll get you one of those. Make sure you got that. An IUD, or if your kid said, you know what, I really need, I need some contraception, some oral contraception. Your daughter. She wanted to make it so that while you still need to have an authorization to give the child a Tylenol, they could get birth control on demand without even so much as a notification. Oh, by the way, in an email, dear Mr. And Mrs. So and so John Q. Public, we gave your daughter through a 90 day supply of oral contraception. And it's these two drugs, active ingredients. Thanks so much. And also goodbye. Not even a note. So your child could be taking the contraception, could be falling out, passing out, having blood clots, whatever the side effects. We all know there are these side effects with these birth control pills. And wherever you fall on that, you know, God bless you. You know, this is America. Have whatever thoughts and feelings you have about it. But why is there such an inconsistency with people who advocate for abortion and people who advocate for this, you know, kind of free range sex society that that the number one priority is making sure everyone has contraception. Contraceptives have been known to have side effects that are really, really difficult to manage depending on the person's hormonal makeup, their age, their weight, their previous exposure to other prescription and non-prescription drugs. This is a decision that should be made in a setting with a, a licensed OBGYN, the patient, and if she's a minor, one of her parents. So the parent would know She woke up with a fever today. I wonder what's wrong with her. I'll just give her a Tylenol. No, she woke up with a fever after taking contraception. She started to take contraception. She had just had an IUD implanted in her at her school by who knows who. You wouldn't want to know that. If you don't know your child has had basically a small medical procedure, outpatient, sure, but still a procedure, and you're at home and your child has a fever, you could very well just let them You know, let it run its course. 24 hours, we'll check it again. Just sleep it off. You know, here's some chicken soup. Sleep it off. You probably have a virus. And your child has been implanted with an IUD. Your daughter. She could have sepsis. She could have a localized infection. And you won't know because this woman, Dr. Wen, feels like you don't need to know that. You need to know if your kid's taking Tylenol, though. This is what's going on here outrageous. All right, when we get back, we're going to be talking about those stroke texts and global right to be forgotten in Europe. Stay there.
4: 80%
0: of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace.
3: The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money you guys are giving love
0: there are currently pre-born centers which do not have an ultrasound machine would you sponsor a machine today dial pound 250 and say keyword baby that's pound 250 and say baby or go to preborn.com that's preborn.com your love could save a life this is viewpoints with kirby anderson Two of the founding fathers that deserve more attention are Alexander Hamilton and James Madison. While the Hamilton musical provides us with some perspectives and entertainment, I would recommend the book by Jay Cost, The Price of Greatness, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and the Creation of American Oligarchy. He was on the Point of View radio program to talk about his book. These two men belonged to a political movement with three fundamental foundations. The first was the commitment to liberal government that emphasized the protection of individual rights. The Declaration of Independence argued that governments are instituted among men in order to secure certain unalienable rights. That idea, written by Thomas Jefferson, was influenced by the writings of John Locke. The second foundation was a belief in self-government, often referred to as republicanism. A republic allowed the citizens to be governed by laws that they actually had a hand in creating. A monarch did not hand down these laws. They were established by we the people. The third foundation was nationalism, The 13 separate colonies agreed to bind themselves together in a national union of 13 states. This is where there was the greatest division between Federalist and Anti-Federalist, and they ended up dividing Hamilton from Madison. Hamilton emphasized national vigor and was eager to promote the Bank of the United States and other programs that would grow the national government. Madison, on the other hand, wanted to pursue what he called the Republican balance. He feared that Hamilton's policies favored the wealthy. In reading this book by Jay Cost, I was struck by the reality that many of the debates in the founding of this country continue to this day. Many of the ideas put forward by Hamilton and Madison are still debated today in the halls of Congress. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Universal 1440, Unbroken, Path to Redemption, the rest of World War II hero Louis Zamperini's True Story, in theater September 14th, rated PG-13. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: Welcome back to the program. StacyOntheright.com is where you can subscribe, get all the info about what we're doing, um, and you can also Head over to nationalcenter.org and find out more about what we're doing over there at that website. Thanks for being here today. Call lines are open at 866-963-2037. It's a pleasure to be with you and uh, I'm really excited about um, the different fun things that we're going to be doing. Uh, We have that event tomorrow here in St. Louis with uh, the Hidden Heart Ministry and the Joy in the Morning event that we're going to be doing and then... I'm going to be speaking at the uh, Gun Rights Policy Conference in Chicago. I'm on a panel uh, with A.W.R. Hawkins, who is a doctor and gun writer. He writes about the Second Amendment and firearms. He has a podcast. And then Mark Walters, who... Uh, is a fantastic gun rights advocate. We're going to be on a panel together discussing um, a a number of things. It's going to be really fun. And it should be live streamed. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to catch the live stream link there. It's on a Saturday. um, So I'll be doing the show here and then traveling to Chicago, doing that, and then, uh, you know, onward and upward. So it's going to be pretty fun. And then, of course, in October, I'm speaking at the Unconventional Women's Business Network on – it's kind of like the the story from Stay-at-Home Mom and Volunteer to Radio Host. So we're going to be talking about that unconventional business women's network is a network of women who are Christian leaders, Christian business owners, etc., who seek to form relationships and mentor and kind of encourage each other in uh, you know today's business environment which I try never to impugn America's business environment because we have such an amazing economic engine, but in certain environments it can be kind of tough to be a person of faith. And so unconventional business women seeks to connect women who are Christians and help them to facilitate better relationships in the, the business environment. So it's going to be pretty exciting to speak to them. I'm going to be their keynote that evening uh, at the event. And so that's happening in October and you can find all the links to that stuff on my uh, Instagram, and also on the Facebook. It's, it, I keep posting the little flyers and things, so it's going to be exciting. Um, so right now, I want to... So you got Judicial Watch. And Judicial Watch does all the heavy lifting on behalf of Americans. They file the Freedom of Information requests. Um, they, they will sometimes sue the government when the government refuses to honor their requests for information. And they're the ones who get that information and make it available to us. And so the, you probably thought the whole Strock text thing that you'd heard all there was to hear. We've got to stop him. Um, He can't be the president, you know, all that stuff. Well, there's more. And so again, scratch a scandal, find a Democrat, Peter Strzok, Hillary supporter. He wasn't done texting and telling all of the good stuff. It's number two.
4: Well, you may not have noticed, but last week Judicial Watch obtained new documents From the FBI. They were trying, it looks like, to rehabilitate Steele, but they found that they couldn't really believe in the dossier. And this is prior, uh, this is subsequent to other documents we found. And this is a quote from the documents The FBI said Steele was deemed not suitable as a confidential human source, and he was not to collect intelligence. On behalf or for the FBI. So this is the FBI's own documents showing uh, that steel was to be kept away from, and they, as you point out, corruptly continued to use them anyway. One intermediate step that can be done is the Office of Special Counsel which is charged with making sure that put federal officials don't abuse their offices to advance a political agenda like under the Hatch Act for instance which prohibits political activities by federal employees in most circumstances can conduct a criminal or serious investigation into what Strzok was up to he clearly had anti-Trump bias He clearly was using FBI resources to advance that bias, to stop Trump, as he says, and have an insurance policy. The Office of Special Counsel, which is not in the Justice Department, can conduct an independent criminal investigation. So I think that's one area that we can draw our attention to or draw attention to as an opportunity for more accountability for struck because he has zero credibility. His lawyers are telling us don't believe what you read in his emails and text messages. And obviously that's not persuasive. Even the FBI had to let him go because it didn't become credible anymore.
1: And so that's the danger. The danger is of having these huge governmental agencies that Americans no longer trust, that Americans feel are um, not worth the tax dollars. And I know, As a conservative, as a person of, you know, I really believe in a much more limited government than the one we're experiencing right now. Uh, There are are a a number of agencies that I'm, it's not about trust. It's just about the, is it necessary? And uh, if you've ever had a tight budget and you go through it and you're like, man, there's not enough, you know, there's not enough liquidity here. We can't do things we want to do. And then, you know, especially if you're married and you and your husband are kind of going over the list and it'll be yeah, that's nice, but is it necessary? Do we need to pay for that? And as you go down the list, the first time you go through the list, almost nothing gets crossed off because it's all necessary, you need it all. Then you give it some time. You give it give it a few days and you start thinking about do you, do you really want to take a vacation or do you really want to maybe, you know, buy a, a house or buy a new house? Do you really want to move into that school district or maybe put those kids in that school that costs money instead of the public school? And then you go back to the list. And all of a sudden, It's almost like somebody went through and highlighted or that the the uh, the fonts have been changed to red of the stuff that needs to be cut. And then once you've switched in your mind, you've decided I'm willing to make some sacrifices to get this to get to this number, to get this one thing, to do this, whatever. It's amazing how not only are they highlighted in red and you're ready to cut them, but you will you'll go to it with, you know, precision slice, 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 slice. You're cutting stuff out. Then you see the number at the one number starts shrinking, the other one starts to grow, and you're like, that that spurs you on. Now, what can we pay off to get this number up to where we need to get it? It's amazing. But we don't ever have that process with the government. Notice we never have a government reduction committee that comes in or a government accountability and reduction committee. Just just imagine it for a second. Just picture it. This government accountability committee would kind of like the audits that. The, the Missouri State Auditor does, where they do a hundred audits a year, and current candidates are looking at, you know, maybe trying to increase that number through efficiency. So they go to a school district and they look at all the numbers, they look at everything, and they audit it to make sure that the taxpayer money is being spent the way it's been. To- they've been told it's being spent, and also it's being spent in ways that are lawful and legal, and and you know, certain parameters. There's no fraud, there's no waste, there's no abuse, there's no missing money. There's there's just everything as it's supposed to be. Imagine if we had a committee that went through and, you know, the federal register, the the federal government's budget, you know, trillions of dollars. Obviously, this would have to be a committee that was comprised of some very, very intelligent number crunchers, money people from the private sector, people who'd run successful multi-billion dollar businesses. They come in and they look at, for example, the Department of Justice, and audit it. They look at the EPA, audit it. They look at the White House, audit, and then make the results of that audit public. And then, just like when school, school districts actually do have audits of their um, school districts that they pay a private auditing company to do, I know that because I was on a school board, and when we would receive our audit, our, our audit back from the the it was a business that we paid to do it when we would get it back we would actually have to sign as elected officials to say that we that we read the audit and that we accepted its findings and it it gives a grade like a score of how well financially the district is performing so imagine if we had this committee of Private sector individuals, not people who are no lobbyists permitted, no contact with lobbyists is permitted, no gifts are permitted, and you're not paid to do the work. And it's a voluntary position, and you, because audits take months and months and months to do when it's a multi million dollar type of an operation. If it were multiple billions of dollars, the audit would take even longer, but at some point the audit would be able to be completed. And then afterwards, the health rating for that agency or that that whatever it is would be given. The American people would get to see it, and then the recommendations underneath would get to be published, and then our elected officials, the representative government process is really important, would get to say, okay, so in order to get the health of the EPA up from a D minus to an A, they recommend these actions. Let's vote on it. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be amazing to, first of all, to have some accountability for our tax dollars, to have people who are unelected have free reign over our tax dollars? I know this because my parents work for the federal government. I know how the budgeting process works there. It's not zero-based. It's how much money did you get last year? How much money did you spend? If you spent less than you got, the amount that you spent is the amount that you get the next year. You don't have to justify it. You just have to spend it all. That's why you've seen the stories, which they don't publish them anymore because it, it embarrasses certain parts in the political uh, you know, sphere. Certain people are embarrassed by it, but you go out and buy a few $900 chairs. Why? Because we had a few thousand dollars left in the budget that wasn't spent and we need to get it spent or we lose that amount for next year. Never mind the fact that if you spent less this year than you did last year, but you still did your job then you really don't need the money that you got last year. You need that new amount, the lesser amount. So it's not about, well, we just, it's like a game. Well, they gave us $4 billion for this year, and we better spend every penny of it. So the last 30 days, it's a spending spree. New desks, new chairs, um, you know, upgrades to the parking lot. New containers for the landscaping outside the flowers. You know, hire on a new person to do a contract to clean just the lobby. All kinds of crazy stuff. Everybody gets a new desktop. Everybody gets a second monitor on their desk. We just got to spend this money. Get these line items reconciled so we can get this over to the budget analysts department so they can make sure that we have our requisition for next year is the same number plus whatever increase in the budget is permitted because of inflation. Imagine if we had a way to put a stop to that. Instead, We have these agencies just operating with impunity. The people who work there are not elected. And the representative form of government that we have means that some elected official at some point should be held responsible for this rampant overspending. But somehow that's been missed. So now I want to pivot over to uh, this global right to be forgotten in search. Calling it a battle between privacy and free speech, you've got Katie Collins writing this piece up. Um, The judges who are making the decision about this are going to issue their opinion December 11th. And their decision about what to do about Google's, you know, kind of fight um, will affect other search engines as well. So here's what's at stake. Lawyers for Google faced Europe's top judges on Tuesday to argue against upholding the rights of European citizens to have links about them removed from search results across the whole of the internet rather rather than just within the EU, which is the current arrangement. So under European Union law, European citizens can appeal to have certain information that's out of date, incorrect, or embarrassing about them removed from search results, and this is the so-called right to be forgotten. A chamber of 15 judges at the European Court of Justice will decide the extent to which this law should apply with an opinion that's due on December 11th. The decision by the judges on how to interpret EU law will affect not only Google, but other search engines like Bing and Yahoo. If it decides against Google in this case, search companies will be required to make information delisted in Europe delisted everywhere. For European citizens, that means their right to privacy will be upheld across the entire internet. Now, here's what's so interesting about this. What, what they describe in the piece is that what happens is you have these European citizens who they'll say, you know, that was eight years ago. It was 10 years ago. I no longer feel that way. I'm tired of it being brought up in search. So they'll apply and Google will remove those links from the EU internet. But anyone who wants to see those results can go to the worldwide Internet, the international Internet, by typing in the the direct link to that and then search and still find the information. So it's not really removed if everybody has ready access to it. So the judges are tackling two questions. Firstly, whether this information should just be delisted in Europe or globally. And secondly, whether certain sensitive information like political opinions, health data, criminal convictions should be deleted automatically rather than having to undergo review as a part of an appeal. Because right now, these European citizens have to appeal to Google to remove the information. Now, Google and other search engines have been obliged to comply with the right to be forgotten since 2014 ruling by the European Court of Justice. The search giant was firmly opposed to the ruling and enlisted the help of free speech advocates to protest. Unfortunately for Google, the ECJ had the final word on the application of the EU law, and in order to continue operating in the region, the company had no choice but to comply. So Google created a compliance team to handle removal requests from within the EU. But until now, Google has only scrubbed information it was required to remove from search results in its regional subdomains, so google.co.uk, for example. Search on just plain old google.com, the information would still appear. Now, this whole thing has caused Google to argue this week that it already removes enough links from search results within Europe and it shouldn't have to remove the links globally. Applying the law has cast Google in the twin roles of watchdog making calls about the privacy of European citizens and of a free speech advocate since 2014, the company has delisted 44% of the requested URLs following review. So that's not half half is 50. So the right to be forgotten debate is often seen as a conflict between the right of the individual to privacy and the rights of wider society to free speech civil society groups, campaigners, and activists on both sides of the argument were in court on Tuesday. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I can see where people might say you shouldn't be able to have, you know, sex offender information removed because that protects the right of the public to know. And I can also see where someone would say, I used to be maybe a communist and now I'm not anymore. And I want that information removed. And, you know, Google doesn't want to remove anything. So, all right, we'll be back with more right after this. Stay there. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment.
3: I always considered the members of my teams as family, but Tom Walter, the baseball coach at Wake Forest, has taken that family relationship to an entirely new level. One of his outfielders, Kevin Jordan, was so sick from a kidney disorder that he was on dialysis in his dorm room eight hours a day, wondering if he would ever be able to play baseball again. That's when Coach Walter didn't hesitate to volunteer and donate a kidney to Kevin. You may never face a situation like Coach Walter and Kevin, but you may be called to do something else. As you strive to be like Christ, be ready to lovingly sacrifice something for others.
1: Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com.
3: Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. Hurricane Harvey was the second worst disaster ever seen on American soil. Eight Days of Hope responded to that need in Houston, Texas, back in March, where 4,700 volunteers came from all over the world in all 50 states to love and serve people in need. When we left, we realized that there was still much more to do. So many people still were hurting, hundreds of thousands of families looking for somebody, anybody to help them. Here's your chance. Eight Days of Hope 16 will be back in Southeast Houston, October 13th, through October 20th. It's free. We provide the food and lodging. We're looking for skilled professionals, people who are semi-skilled, and people with no skills or less skilled and want to give back. For more information, you go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. We're expecting about 2,500 volunteers from all over America to go back to Houston to love and serve those in need. Hope to see you in Houston, 8daysofhope.com. For more information, 8daysofhope.com.
0: Military Matters. U.S.-backed Syrian
1: fighters have launched what it hopes will be the final push to defeat ISIS on the battlefield in eastern Syria. State Department spokeswoman Heather Nauert announced the start of the operation from Washington. We are confident that they will successfully liberate the remaining areas ISIS controls along the Syrian-Iraqi border. The campaign to defeat ISIS has liberated nearly 8 million Syrians and Iraqis from ISIS's barbaric rule. ISIS once controlled an area the size of Ohio across Iraq and Syria. Now just one city in eastern Syria remains. Defense Secretary Mattis says he believes some ISIS leaders are hiding in the city of Hajin, but would not be more specific. In that I wouldn't myself. be
4: surprised if, uh, if some of ISIS leadership is up there, no, but uh, I don't want to go into more detail than that right now. The leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, remains at large, despite a $25 million bounty on his head.
0: For Military Matters at the Pentagon, Lucas Tomlinson, Fox News. And watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
2: Yeah, I think it's really bad politics and, and harmful to Democrats, right? Democrats need to focus on uh, bread and basket issues to make the economy better, not labeling ourselves socialists or communists or anything else. we got to stay focused on what makes people's lives better, and this is a sideshow.
1: Well... I mean, I think it'd be interesting if they did do that. But the whole socialism thing is now the baby of the Democrats. If, uh, you know, Republicans have to accept all of this nonsense about alt-right people only being Republicans and the alt-right being strictly a purview of racism and all of that stuff. There's all these strict rules about what you can and can't say about those people who are, they're they're fringe individuals. They don't represent a huge portion of individuals who have thoughts that are right-leaning, then why do the Democrats get to say that the socialism isn't really their thing? Or we need to stop acting like socialism is our thing or most telling, well, we just need to not talk about that right now. Does that sound a little bit like in the same vein as that whole pass it so you can see what's in it? It's pretty amazing. So, um, there's, it's, it's, It's kind of upsetting, I guess you could say, that we don't have a full understanding in the public anymore about what socialism is. Socialism is where the state owns the means of production. Soft socialism, you can see it in countries like Canada where you just pay an exorbitant amount in tax and the government controls a whole bunch of your everyday life and you can't get away from it really. You have to pay for it. Whether you're participating, quote unquote, or not, You have to pay for it. And so the people who are on the receiving end love it. But the people who are working and paying for everything, not so much. And so you see them moving away from that, trying to, you know, going and living in other countries, moving out into rural areas where they don't so much have to really own the fact that that's what's going on. By the way, you guys, Jim Carrey has a new series on Sundays at 10 p.m., on Showtime, which I don't know about you guys, but we don't have Showtime. Um, Even if we had cable, we wouldn't have Showtime because it's just garbage. And the fact that they're putting a show with Jim Carrey on there, who has become a complete political partisan, so therefore cannot be funny anymore. Uh, The fact, they're giving him a show. It's like they just keep looking for ways to fail. So in some good news, related good news, you've got Fox News announcing today that they're creating a memorial scholarship program to honor the life of Charles Krauthammer. Now, this is so exciting uh, because he was just a really wonderful person and so intellectually superior, even though he was, you know, he's a never-Trumper, but he had some amazing columns. And, and if you're interested in something to listen to on long car drives or something like that, um, or on an afternoon where you have some work to do and you just want to have something in the background that's interesting, you can get these CDs of some of his books of essays And when I say he wrote about wide-ranging topics, it's fascinating to, I I listened to one of them, Um, and I just put it on in the car when we had a longer drive to drop the kids off to to and from school, and sometimes they'd be listening to it with me, and other times I'd be in the car by myself listening to it. It was really just these great stories. He wrote essays about people that you would never know about, um, and kind of talked about what was unique about them. And some of these people you're like, wow, I can't believe this person wasn't a national figure, but this is back before every little thing you did made you a national figure, including doing nothing. Um, so that Fox news has announced that they're going to partner with the national merit scholarship program to establish the Dr. Charles Krauthammer Memorial scholarship available to children of Fox news and Fox business network employees awarding 2000 per college year per student. It's awarded on a competitive basis, and they will not consider the applicant's financial circumstances, gender, race, ethnic origin, or religious preference. The quote from them is that they are uh, Charles was a beloved member of the Fox News family, but more importantly, he was an incredible mentor and role model for millions of Americans across the country. We are proud to honor Charles, his legacy, impact, and countless contributions with a new scholarship program enabling the next generation of thought leaders, the opportunity and education they need to reach their dreams. Well, that's a pretty small pool that they're going to be pulling from employees of Fox. I actually, I don't know how large that pool is because I have no idea how many people actually work there. Um, but it's definitely not a huge number of people whose children will be under consideration, but you know, it's, it's a nice gesture that they're doing, um, that they're going to have that scholarship there. So also, I'd like to ask you to call in and con- contribute your voice to our listener stories. We have share coming up in October, and it's going to be a great time uh, to show support for Urban Family Talk. It's going to be a fantastic time to engage with the hosts, and it's going to be l- some fun giveaways. Remember last year, we had some fun giveaways from the Stacey on the Right show, and we're going to be doing that again. Um, but right now, we need you to call in and leave a voicemail with just your name, the state you're calling from, and then your story eight seven seven three two seven five six four seven eight seven seven three two seven five six four seven and the stories will be aired in the weeks prior to Sherathon, which is October sixteenth through eighteenth as well as during Sherathon. so you get to hear your voice on the radio. You can call in and talk about. Favorite things from Hamilton Corner, Stacey on the Right, or um, you know the show that comes on right before hours. Anything really? The show that comes on right after hours. Anything you think would be beneficial? The um, the morning show with Will and Mikey, Lonnie Poindexter. Anything. Just call in and leave a voicemail about how Urban Family Talk has impacted you and what. It means to you, and it's a short voicemail, and then you'll get to hear yourself on the radio, and we will be so grateful to you. Um, So uh, in more Jim Carrey news, just to round out the news about him getting his own show, he also, since he's back in the news again, is on the record as saying that he loves socialism. A man as wealthy as he is says he loves socialism. He says Democrats need to stop apologizing for it. Well, first of all, Democrats are not socialists. I mean, anybody who knows anything about political parties knows that if you are a Democrat, a Democrat party platform is not the same as a socialist party platform. I can't believe Democrats are allowing their party to be hijacked by socialists. It should be so insulting for there not to be a delineation between those two belief systems. And we've done it before. I might have to schedule it onto the show sheet that we're going to discuss the Republican Party platform and the Democratic Party platform just to get it on the record as to what they both say. I guarantee you there'll be some angry mail because, you know, we all have our thing that we want to defend as Christians that isn't biblical and we all have a ways to go. We're all on the path, getting sanctified together one step at a time, one Bible verse at a time, one day at a time. But there's some stuff in the Democratic Party platform that does not pass the test when it comes to being biblical. We'll do it. We'll get it on the schedule. Um, so in the last few minutes of the show, if you'd like to call in, it's 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. So I don't know if you guys saw over at Breitbart, they have this video up um, of Google's leadership and their crazy scary, dismayed reactions to the news that Donald Trump had been elected to the presidency. So it's a video that was recorded by Google shortly after the 2016 presidential election, which reveals this atmosphere of utter panic and dismay amongst the tech giant's leadership. Now, you might be thinking, their leadership? Who, who could that be? All their real, actual leaders. It was their first all-hands meeting following the 2016 election, Um, inside of Google, they call the meetings, the all hands, the weekly all hands meeting, the TGIF meeting, because it happens on a Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Sent to Breitbart by an anonymous source. It features co-founders Larry Page, Sergey Brin, Vice Presidents Kent Walker, Eileen Naughton, CFO Ruth Porat, CEO Sundar Pinchai, and it can be watched on Breitbart. So you have to watch it in full, according to Breitbart, in order to get the full context and the statements that were made. But these are the people who preside over Google. They're the decision makers. And they're, like if there were to be a sudden change in the direction of what Google stood for, these are the people who would make that choice. They're also the ones with the most to gain from the profitability of Google and its utter stranglehold on the internet. Sergei Brin, who's a co-founder, can be heard comparing Trump supporters to fascists and extremists. Brin argues that, like other extremists, Trump voters were motivated by boredom. He says, in the past, boredom led to fascism and communism. The Google co-founder then asked his company to consider what it can do to ensure, quote, a better quality of governance and decision-making. Vice President for Global Affairs Kent Walker argued that supporters of populist causes like the Trump campaign are motivated by fear, xenophobia, hatred, and a desire for answers that may or may not be there. Really? There are answers. There's always an answer. Later, Walker says that Google should fight to ensure the populist movement, not just in the U.S., but around the world, is merely a blip and a hiccup in a historical arc that bends towards progress. I love these Flowery, you know, kind of quote of the century type terms that, that liberals apply to um, these ridiculous campaigns that never result in anything good for Americans. So, CEO Sundar Penchai states that the company will develop machine learning and AI to combat what another employee described as misinformation that was being shared by low information voters. He says, so it starts out the meeting by saying, well, this isn't probably not the the most joyous meeting we've ever had. Most people here are pretty upset and pretty sad. He says, you know, this disappointment that we're experiencing is like the total opposite of our excitement over the legalization of cannabis in, in California, and so people laughed and they applauded, you know, and then he gets serious again and says he's deeply offended by the election of Trump and that the election itself conflicts with many of Google's values. Trying to explain the motivations of Trump voters, senior VP for global affairs, Kent Walker, says fear, not just within the United States, but around the world, is fueling concerns, xenophobia, hatred, hatred. And then he goes on to describe the Trump phenomenon as a sign of tribalism that is destructive in the long term. Now, never mind the fact that tribalism is exactly what Democrats engage in when they say that black people are only allowed to vote for Democrats. And if you're black and you don't vote for Democrats, that you hate yourself and you hate black people. Never mind that that's rampant tribalism, but Anyone who just didn't vote for the Democrat is tribalistic. So striking an optimistic tone, Walker then goes on to assure Google employees that despite the election, history is on our side. The moral arc of history bends towards progress. And then he quotes Prime Minister Matteo Renzi of, of Italy when he compared... The world of the wall with its isolation and defensiveness with the world of the square, the piazza, the marketplace, where people come together in a community and enrich each other's lives. Here's the thing about a community. In a community, everyone is working towards the same goal. The living of the community, the betterment of that community, being a part of that community, sharing the same goals and objectives. The idea that populist Americans can't simply say they they see that too many people are coming here who don't want to be a part of the community of America, don't want to work towards our common goals, they want to tear America down and remake it into the image of the place that they fled from, that somehow that's wrong. It's not wrong. It's utterly correct for us to take the temperature of our country and say it is bending too far towards the arc of progressivism and we need to put a stop. In, In fact, No more arc. Put that line back to being a straight line, a straight line that's a proving ground for truth and honor and everything that we hold dear in this country, and then start putting things to the test. And anything that fails the test has to be done away with because we're looking for an honorable, virtuous kind of backbone for this country. And a return to that means everything's better for everyone. Morality is better for us as a country. So then a little later on in the video where they're, you know, still kind of nursing their wounds and crying, Porat says that he makes a promise. Google will use the great strength and resources and reach we have to continue to advance really important values. Vague statement of almost nothing, stating we all need a hug. She then instructs the audience of Google employees to hug the person closest to them, which in any other setting would be called sexual harassment, and a violation of the Me Too movement. But in this setting, because they're all Google employees and they were told to do so by their boss, perfectly fine. I'll put the link up on the Facebook page if you want to check it out and watch it for yourself. Uh, Boy. Anyway, that's the show. Thanks for being with us today. God bless you. Have a fantastic evening. Be back with you tomorrow.